Hi everyone and welcome um, to this session for this afternoon. So this is the RCVS Knowledge QI Champion session which is about leading positive change in practice. So this is a session where we'll be looking at how we can encourage veterinary nurses to really take leadership over quality improvement in their practice and also how they can break down some of the barriers in getting there. So I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon by Amelia Paul from RCVS Knowledge. So Amelia has been an RVN since 2011 and has worked in a variety of practices, including hospitals, out of hours and charity. Since 2019, Amelia has worked at RCVS Knowledge, promoting quality improvements to the profession in order to help others provide the best possible care. <coughs> so I'm joined by Helen, so Helen Silver McMahon. Helen gained her RCVS veterinary nursing qualification in 2000 and then went on to gain her diploma in advanced surgical nursing in 2005. Helen also holds a certificate in small animal nutrition and a certificate in emergency and critical care. Helen is currently studying for a master's in patient safety and clinical human factors. So welcome to Helen. And then finally, Kelly Tillett, after qualifying as an RVN in 1997, Kelly works at Bell Equine Veterinary Clinic, which is a large equine referral practice in Kent. She qualified as an EVN in 2001. In 2013, Kelly sidestepped into human medicine and commenced a degree in midwifery, which she completed in 2016. Kelly continued to combine both veterinary nursing and midwifery until 2018, and then she returned solely to equine nursing then. So during this session, we'd love for the audience to get involved and we'd really like to make this as interactive as possible. So please pop your thoughts, comments, any queries, questions at all um, into the chat box throughout the discussion and Amelia will be visiting these throughout um, the session. We've also got a thread for this session over on the BVNA forum. So I'll pop uh, the link to this in the chat box at the end of the session and then we can continue these conversations over there. So I'll now hand it over to Amelia. I think you've got a presentation to bring up on your screen, haven't you, Amelia? Yes, I do. So bear with me while I try and find the right buttons. No problem. <laughs> I am presuming that everyone can see this. Um, yeah, yep, we're all there. Brilliant. Okay. Um, sorry, it's all getting a bit confusing now. Um, so as said before, I'm Amelia. I'm RVN from RCVS Knowledge and I'm joined here by Helen and Kelly. Um, so you've heard our intros. And we're going to be talking about leading positive change in practice. Um, so I was going to do a bit of an introduction for everyone, but you've kind of already heard us. So I will introduce RCVS Knowledge. We are the charity partner of RCVS, but we are a separate organisation. And our mission is to advance the quality of veterinary care for the benefit of animals, the public and society. So we meet this mission by championing evidence-based approach to veterinary medicine, inspiring a culture of continuous quality improvement and making our resources available to the profession and wider public um, and all of our resources, um, all of our quality improvement resources are free. Um, so as said, I'm joined by Kelly and Helen. Helen and her team who worked at the Animal Health Trust were RCVS Knowledge QI champions this year for their work on implementing a kind of just safe patient culture with their surgical safety checklist. And 
Kelly and her team at Newnham Court Equine were highly commended runners up in the new category of ones to watch for um, the implementation of their surgical safety checklist in an equine practice. So one thing I'd like you to think about while I figure out how to bring up the chat box is how do you identify things that need improvement either within practice or within your workplace? I think um, Congress is a fantastic place to get ideas for things to improve on, don't you, Amelia and Kelly? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've got loads of ideas written down just from today, actually. <laughs> I think that's often, sorry sorry I think that's often the the start of something isn't it you come back and you're full of energy and excitement about what you've listened to or what you've what you've seen somebody talk about and you go back and go right I, I'm gonna put this into practice how do I do that um how do I get things moving um and certainly that's that's one of the big ways that I've been inspired to to uh, implement new things in practice absolutely I think if you um, have an idea, um, but you don't think that it's a big enough idea, even the smallest things matter. And if you're talking to your colleagues, um, that's a really good starting point to get that, that um, going. Definitely. Yeah. So I just want to say that for some reason, I can't open the chat so that if you do have anything, can you stick it in the question and answer? Because I definitely have that box open, um, even if it's just chatter. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, um, I'll keep an eye on the chat box as well. So that's brilliant because that box has completely disappeared. <laughs> oh, Emma Foreman's just put something on the chat actually that I can see um, that she suggested a continuous improvement board at work, um, and they post suggestions and then they have a discussion with their team and implement if they're agreed upon, which I think is a brilliant idea. I isn't love it? that idea. Yeah, it's like the yeah. suggestion book. Um, yeah, I think the other way of finding things that need to change are um, things like uh, maybe critical incident reports or when things don't go so well um, that might bring to the fore um, ideas that might need changing and looking at uh, um, do you guys do that in Kelly you do that at Newnham Court you use critical incident reporting and things like that we do we kind of um, evolving from our practice meetings so identify an incident then we'll have a debrief and then look at it in more detail um, we kind of have a whole team approach to that so that it is it's nice and transparent open and everybody sort of can be in an area where it's a nice safe feelings um, and their thoughts on the subject yeah I think that's really important, isn't it, that people feel like they can talk about stuff and, and it is a safe environment to come up with these ideas and nobody's going to shoot you down and tell them, oh, we've, we've tried that before, it didn't work, or, you know, that at least people keep an open mind and they they um, they at least explore the ideas with you um, and sort of go from there. One of the things, um, like you said, I like about Congress and that improvement board is also thinking about why you want to improve it because you could come back from you know this event and think oh there's so many things that I want to try and I want to do but it I don't know they may not be relevant to what you're doing in practice so just think about why like do you want to do it to improve your patient safety or do you want to do it because something cool that you just heard about um so also talking about that as well might might 
win some people round. Yeah, definitely. I think that's it. Having a reason behind it and having a little bit of evidence sometimes help to sway the people that you need for the buy-in. Um, so one of the most important things is getting, when you've spoken to your colleagues, you've come back from Congress or whatever, you're bubbling over with excitement and then having a chat not only with your colleagues, but having a chat with the people who can make the changes in the practice. Um, and certainly for us um, at the Animal Health Trust, when we implemented the surgical safety checklist, um, it was really important to get the buy-in of the surgeons. So, um, because obviously we needed to stop the surgery and, and sort of fractionally delay it to have this sign-in part of the checklist and then the time-out part um, just before the surgery. And without their buy-in, you're going to get a few funny looks and oh. a bit of huffing and, and all the rest of it um, that could really um, make it quite tricky for nurses to run the um, checklists. So making sure the nurses um, are and consultants are on board with it so that they can help you and um, get behind you and then talk to their colleagues and spread the word of something that's a really good change idea is really really important as well absolutely um i think it's like I say it's being able to stop a surgeon from getting on with their um their job is quite an intimidating thing and it's it's a real culture change to have sort of empower your staff then be able to sort of stand up and say could everyone listen to me please can we do this part of the safe set so you know there's lots of barriers to overcome and it's thinking of ways of dealing with though how to overcome those barriers which is all part of the planning and implementation of this these sort of qi initiative i think it's really important and it does take a lot of coordination engagement um and sort of help from your colleagues to get that sort of the ball rolling on that. Definitely. So just had a great question um, come in. Um, Amanda, so she says she struggles because she works nights, um, all been there on the night shifts, and she wants to implement QI into her practice, um, but she has little influence of what happens during the day. And no one on the days seems to be that interested. Do we have any tips to pique colleagues' interest in QI? Ooh. Um, I think <laughs> when evidence, the evidence behind the implementation is really important. And, you know, we, we're taking, we're a bit behind the human medical field. So we've, there's a lot of evidence in the human medical field and sort of aviation of these small changes can make a massive difference. And so I think to look at evidence and be able to present that at practice meetings, a really good way of doing that, even if you're on the night shift, if you can get your head nurse or practice manager to put that idea forward for you, a little bit more weight um, initial idea. I think that'd probably be a one step sort of getting that into for you. I think as well, um, if you are on nights, I don't know what sort of nights you do, whether it's just you and the vet or whether it's a bigger team, but leading by example. So perhaps have a chat with the vet that you work with um, maybe start by implementing some surgical safety checklists on on nighttime because the patients that you have will still be there during the day. And if people see that you're doing these surgical safety checklists or some IV checklists, um, that might just be the spark that they need to think oh you know if they're doing that at night that 
that would be a really good idea to do kind of during the day. Um, and especially at nighttime, it's really important anyway. I used to hit the wall at three in the morning and honestly, I was useless to anyone for about an hour and a half. Um, so checklists were a real lifesaver um, with that. So that might be worth that might be worth doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think also, um, you know, making sure that even though you're on nights, you're invited to team meetings and you still have your appraisals perhaps with your um, line manager and, and bring it up then and asking them if there's been any other nurses that have kind of shown an interest in it and, and collaborate um, to um, make sure that they um, feel like that's the, the best way to go forward. Yeah. I think another um, simple way to sort of implement thing is to, Put posters up around, so outside of theatre, have you started your safe checklist? And or put them in sort of areas of the room so they're a visible um, a trigger for people to start thinking about it, even if it's not necessarily flowing immediately, but it sort of it plants the seed in mind. Ashley um, from RCVS has also um, just come up with a really fantastic idea about auditing your performance before you try to implement the change um, and then make the change and then audit again and share your results with the day team so that they um, so they they can kind of go forward with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, because we're all a bit... Um... We love a bit of competition, um, especially the vets. And, you know, if you almost pit them against each other, not in a bad way, because this is all about creating a good team. Um, but um, they'll love to compete against it as well. Yeah, definitely. So here's a little slide um, of our practice. Um, and it's a little bit on how... I kind of put our QI into practice in an equine environment. Um, and this image shows us in the um, surgeon in this, and one of our lovely um, technicians, Paige, who's diligently um, filling out the safe surgery checklist. Um, we were lucky, all of our team were on board immediately with the idea. Uh, the culture in our practice is pretty sort of innovative anyway. So People want to get on with new ideas, but that, as I said before, changing the culture can be a bit of a problem sometimes. But so we were really lucky that we were able to get this going sort of fairly, fairly well, fairly quickly. Um, and we noticed sort of changes immediately with us just sort of taking a breath, pausing, looking at what we were doing. And at the same time, giving sort of the nursing staff a bit of more confidence to be able to speak up in in that environment so it's a really good good use in our practice i think that's it when you get started doing checklists actually it is a rolling thing because then what you've got a few people who are championing it and they are um started doing them when you're training other people you can train them in feeling a little bit more positive and a little bit more bold in being able to stop the theatre and say hey we've got to do this first and it's kind of a, a rolling thing until you've got the whole team engaged and um it just runs really smoothly that that's how we had it at the trust that it was just the culture of the theatre that this is what happened and um, you were going to get stern looks off me if you're 
or, yeah. or one of the other nurses if anybody started um, surgery or um, talking or anything like that whilst they were supposed to be doing the, the checklist. So it's, it becomes easier once you get into the, um, the throw of it, definitely. Yeah, you might find that you feel in an emergency situation that you're wasting their time. The emergency situations are the times when you really need to be focused and think about what's happening because they're the times when people are, are going to sort of divert off of the checklist almost and big important steps might because it's a high stress situation. Um, so, you know, even in, in a time where you think, oh, people up, it's actually the most important time to be able to complete all your checks. Definitely. And I always bang on about the fact that um, uh, right when I started this journey, um, learning about stuff like patient safety and uh, quality improvement, somebody said to me that you can only keep seven things on your mental scratch pad. I was quite relieved because I wondered why I couldn't remember everything. But this is what checklists are all about. We can't possibly remember everything. Um, so it's having a piece of paper, a checklist there in front of you so that in the emergency situation, we absolutely don't forget anything vital. And our patient receives the receives really excellent care yeah also just obviously you say about the um mental kind of the mental scratch pad in, in an emergency situation i've worked in emergency for a long time and actually it was only when i started doing routine things again that i used to forget things um so obviously checklists and things not just not just for emergencies um, that not. is when it's um, most important but I found that I just could not prep for a, a bitch spay because I just would forget it immediately ask me to prep for a GDV I've got everything <laughs> but yeah. anything routine I just used to forget and um, checklists really used to just save a lot of, a lot of brain ache as well and feeling like I was just a bit rubbish because I couldn't remember laryngoscope or something like that. Um, so the idea of obviously quality improvement in practice is fantastic. Um, and you two both come from places where the culture has been really good and where your team has really been engaged with it. Um, have you ever worked for people that haven't been engaged with it or have been less than enthusiastic? Um, for example, you know, they don't have time or something like that, far too busy or anything that other people might come across that might make things difficult in practice? I think there's always a situation um, where you kind of have that we've always done it that way around here or we like to make our own decisions about that and that's really tricky to get around um, and, and that's where making sure that you start off with somebody who's who's really good at um, who can, has massive buy-in who's a really good stakeholder um, to help engage the rest of the team is important um, and making sure that you um, listen to everybody's opinions and don't and be flexible and work so the, the the whatever you design is fit for purpose for your environment. So if parts of the checklist that you've downloaded off the website or seen at Congress don't work for your practice, don't say to people, it's a working document. We can make it our own. We can we can change parts of it or, um, you, you know, be understanding and flexible and kind of just look for different solutions. Don't don't give up. <laughs> Yeah, I've been lucky. I've been the culture in our practice. I say was it's very good, but um, in 
in the NHS when I was training there, you know, it was it's quite a pretty intimidating environment. Um, and there were some staff that would be more resistant to sort of getting on board with the um, with the checklist, but more from juniors. So the senior staff were pretty much well versed because it's been happening in the NHS for a long time. Um, but as a student, I know it was I was quite when someone hands me a, a checklist and said, right, I stand in front of whole obstetric theatre with an emergency c-section gonna just about to happen read that list out it's, it's quite you've got like 30 seconds to do it it's it's quite um intimidating but oh, i think yeah, that it. one of the barriers that um probably people might meet in in their practices is a little bit of resistance sometimes from staff and that would where you need to really sort of have done your homework and Got your evidence and this is what happens as i've mentioned before how it's working in other fields um but i think you know it does it does sort of filter down and it might take a little bit of situations and others but it does filter down and once the outcome then noted to improve or people just get more confident then it's definitely beneficial all around really definitely definitely Emma asked a question a little bit a while ago that I've just noticed on the chat. Do we keep the checklist to allow for reflection and evidence in case of any post-op complica complications? Yes, definitely. Um, at yeah. the trust, they formed the document that was um, the theatre um, notes. So they would have all the instruments and swab counts on as well. So you'd have the patient details on the front and then the middle section would be swab counts and um, instrument labels and stuff like that. And then the back cover of it was... Um, the checklist so it formed part of a document that was scanned into the patient's electronic mm -hmm. file or went into their paper file and um, depending at you where you're at with electronic stuff um i was also going to say kelly that uh, you know when you're talking about evidence um and making sure you've done your homework is that can be that's really where rcvs knowledge can help because if you go to their website there's loads and loads of tools on there as to um the evidence behind everything so if you go into the checklist um manuals and what have you then you'll find all of the um the bits and bobs you need to know behind that to really make a convincing argument for checklists and similarly for other improvement methods as well yeah we keep our checklists our notes we scan them on and I also have made like a product code. So I put it into the practice management system onto the client record um, that one has been completed. So when I go back to audit the information, I can information really quickly. So it's good to put into a system into place where you can extract your data as well for your audit cycle. So I think that's sort of thinking ahead like that is a good idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And then... Um... Sorry, I thought you'd frozen then. Um, I really like this this slide that you put together, which is small changes can have big impacts. Um, so especially after weekends like this, it's really easy to go back to practice and just bombard them with everything that you would like changed. Um, but it's not always the best way to go and not always the best way to convince people either. So changing just very small things like, for example, if you if you have a lot of um, kind of people not wanting to fill out surgical safety checklists and start them small on other checklists. In my last practice, we basically started them on um, 
kind of induction checklist we would go through and tick if everything was ready for induction and the vet would check um, and that was kind of their their introduction to checklists so that they were already used to doing that before we then went full hog and went in with the surgical safety checklist um, so it's kind of a little a little tester checklist um, before before the real one that we wanted to put in Definitely. I think also for trainees, it's really helpful as well, because, you know, um, OSCE tasks, stuff like that, um, where you've got to demonstrate you can check an anaesthetic machine. Um, if you've got a checklist for checking an anaesthetic machine and you're using that checklist every day, um, then that's going to make life a lot easier as well. Um, and you get into the habit of it. And, and here are some lovely examples <laughs> of um, what we've been talking about. Speaking of, um, <laughs> so we do have a surgical safety checklist manual that basically has all the evidence you would need to convince people um, in surgical safety checklists and loads of examples um, templates from RCVS knowledge and also examples from assortment of small animal and equine and farm practices. Um, so if you don't really know where to start, just steal one of theirs and, you know, have a play with it and see how it goes. Um, but the evidence behind surgical checklists is a 47% reduction in deaths, which is a massive amount um, and a 36% reduction in post-op complications. Um, so I think even for the most hardened of people, that evidence alone would be enough to convince them. Definitely. Um, we've got another question from Amanda. Um, thank you, Amanda. Um, um, formal training in QI. Um, I'm doing a master's in patient safety and clinical human factors, which is um, QI is heavily embedded in that. Um, but I also use a lot of the RCVS knowledge courses and um, resources that are online because they are absolutely fantastic for veterinary stuff in our field. Um, quality improvement in um, veterinary um, healthcare is an emerging subject where we've got lots of people who are in, interested in, and um, please join us, um, but it's, it's really just evolving and getting started. Um, yep, about the same. I, I live, breathe, research everything QI. So, um, and obviously in my role at the RCVS Knowledge, um, every day is QI day for me. And we have a quality improvement advisory board um, who are the font of knowledge on so many things. Um, so picking their brain as well is really great. I know some practices um, pre-COVID did do some kind of QI training sessions um, with their teams, but I think that's potentially stopped now because of COVID. I don't know if people are still doing it online, um, but RCVS Knowledge are also developing more courses on QI, which hopefully will be coming in the next month or so. So um, definitely keep your eyes peeled on our social media for that announcement. And if you want some, um, another little shameless plug for RCPS knowledge, um, <laughs> you guys are going to have to pay me. <laughs> um, the um, We are um, just started doing a blog um, on QI, which is taking sort of a bite-sized approach to different subjects. Um, and then um, Amelia is very kindly helping us, uh, I know as well, in um, linking all of the RCBS um uh resources to the blogs so if you just want to sort of more passively learn a bit about qi there's some um things that you can be reading there and following the links to rcvs so it makes it a bit more approachable and uh, bite-sized like i say 
Um, so we're going to talk about, uh, well, we've touched on it slightly um, with Kelly and her auditoring. Auditoring? <laughs> That's fabulous, isn't it? <laughs> about measuring the impact um, of your change. So if you've introduced some change in practice, your team, you think you're getting on board with it, but how do you really know? Um, yes, yeah, sorry. So Sorry, Carry I'm just on. aware that I think we've run out of time. <laughs> so I think, Charlotte, oh, have we? I think we might have. Nearly there, nearly there. I think if we can um, wind up using this point, that would be great. Sorry, guys. It's been really... Um, Sorry, really I could talk forever. So I think we were just going to say that this is a continuous cycle. So as you start, then don't be afraid, afraid to use your um, PDSA cycles. So plan, do, study, act and keep it going. Your first idea doesn't have to be your last idea. Um, keep revisiting what you wanted to change. Make sure you're getting there and um, asking the same questions and auditing um, to check that you are getting the outcomes that you'd like to have. Was that what you were going to say, Kelly? Yeah, the, 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 when you're along this journey, you might identify other areas that like, you want to research into, so extra other little parts that have come out of your, your checklist or your um, what you've been reading about, and then you're going to be able to identify other areas in practice that you could improve upon as well. So it's continuous. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Do I have time to touch on one slide? If you're quick. <laughs> I'm super quick, yeah. Um, also, if you really just aren't sure where to start or where to go with improvement, um, then if you have a look on our website, we've got a couple of um, kind of processes that you can use that if something happens, you can identify the team factors and, you know, the proper root cause of what's going on so that that will lead you as to where you can go and what changes you might need. Was that quick enough? <laughs> That's super. Thank you so much, everyone. That was pretty much bang on time. Um, so thank you again, Amelia, Helen and Kelly for joining us this afternoon, um, giving us some really useful points. So hopefully that's encouraged a few nurses who are online at the moment to really get involved in QI. It's, it's so important. So thank you so much for your time, everyone.